Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, the 31st of October, 2020. There are two types of zoos in this world. Those that have lions and those that don't. The Boise Zoo is one of the ones that has lions. And I've enjoyed going there a couple times with my family. I remember the last time I went there, obviously, we're very excited to check out really the main exhibit, the most exciting place there at the zoo, the lion exhibit. And so we go to the lion exhibit. My kids are up on their tippy toes straining to try and see if they can see one of the lions and they cannot. We cannot see one of the lions. So we're disappointed We move on. We're looking at some of the other animals. Got a great view of one of the giraffes. And we're circling around back on the backside of the lion cage. And we realized the lions weren't in the lion exhibit because they were kind of back in the back area behind the exhibit. But they were getting ready to go back out. And we saw in that back area, one of the doors was open. Of course, still all within the cage. But one of the doors that normally you can't see through was open and you would look through that door and boom, there was one of the lions of the Boise Zoo just looking out right at us, not that far away. It was a pretty awesome moment for me and my kids. And I mean that in in all the senses of the word. One, it was just really cool for them to see their excitement at seeing the lion so close, but it was also awesome to see a creature as majestic as a lion that close. Now, I want you to imagine a different scenario with me. One where I'm at the zoo, we go by the lion exhibit, and we don't see the lion, so we move on, and we're looking at other things, and we're circling rack around the back of the cage, and we see that not only is the door open, but the cage is open, and one of the workers at the zoo says, excuse me, sir, but we need to let you know that the lions are loose at the zoo. Hmm. How do you think I would respond in that moment? You think there would be not just, you know, oh, this is cool and awesome, but there might be fear. There might be a feeling of intensity. I might grab my kids and pull them close to me and try to make my way out of the zoo as quickly as possible. That's probably how I would respond. Well, we come across a serious warning today in the scriptures as we look at 1 Peter chapter 5, and we see that there is a warning that there is a lion prowling about seeking someone to devour. So as we look at 1 Peter, we we see this warning, a famous warning that we think of in the Bible that compares the devil. It says your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to to devour. It is important for us to know as Christians, we have a spiritual enemy. It's not just the world that's working against us. It's not just our flesh. Uh, Our adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He wants to destroy lives. He wants to pull down Christians. And, And it says that we need to be careful. And I want to point out a simple connection between a couple of the verses here in this chapter. That verse about being uh, careful for this roaring lion is in verse 8. Let's start back at verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, what I want you to do here is kind of, let's work backwards from verse 8. So we're thinking about the lion. He's seeking someone to devour. But we go back to the beginning of verse 8, and it's talking about being sober-minded and watchful. And then we go back to verse 7, and it talks about casting all of our anxieties on him because he cares for you. I want you to notice that that's probably a very uh, sensible connection to make moving from anxiety and casting that on the Lord to being sober-minded to then this warning about our adversary, the devil. And this is why I think that makes sense. I think for many of us, our anxieties are avenues to temptation. And when we are anxious, when we are worried, we are more prone to temptation. We are Uh, more isolated maybe from the pack to use a animal analogy and more uh, prone to attack from this roaring lion. And I think we should see there's a connection and even a contrast between being anxious on the one hand and then being what verse eight talks about, sober-minded on the other. And even we think in in English about the word sober um, means that you're not intoxicated. You're thinking straight because you're not under the influence of of alcohol or drugs. And what we need to realize is many times when we are anxious, anxiety is intoxicating. And just as alcohol or drugs can, you know, blur your senses and kind of dull everything and, and make you not think and act clearly, that's what your anxieties can do. And when you're letting anxiety control you, you are much more open to your adversary, the devil, who is prowling about seeking someone to devour. So what do we need to do? We need to cast our anxieties on the Lord. And that really brings us back to verse six. That's going to require us to be humble to be humble and to cast our cares upon the Lord. Instead of trying to figure it all out ourselves, instead of trying to lean on ourselves, we want to humble ourselves and cast all of our anxiety on the Lord. So here it is, it's a Saturday, we're we're starting a weekend and I want to encourage you, what are you anxious about? And I want you to see all those anxieties, they are avenues to temptation. And you can either continue to dwell on those things, to be anxious about those things, or you can take those things and cast all of them upon the God who cares for you as you humble yourself, as you admit that you need his help. And as you do that, you will find yourself more sober-minded and ready to face the temptations of the devil. So take some time today and take anything that you are anxious about and pray about it. Cast those anxieties on the Lord as we start this weekend. Now I want us to turn, we're getting close to to done. I've really enjoyed these last few weeks of going through Psalm 119. And today we're looking at verses 137 to 144, the uh, Hebrew letter Tzadeh. And we're, we're looking at it and that, that word even lots of times is used in the word righteousness. And so we see that today, righteous are you, O Lord, and right 
are your rules. Or in verse 142, your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is true. And that's where I want to see there's a, there's a contrast between our anxieties and our fears. There's a contrast between the lies of the devil, this roaring lion, and the word of God. On the other hand, he is righteous. His rules are righteous. He is righteous forever. And another great verse in this passage today is verse 140. Your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. Do you feel that way about God's word? Do you feel that way about his promises? That his word, his promises are tried and true. Therefore, we love it. And again, compare that to your anxieties. Your anxieties are not tried and true. Many times you've gone way down the rabbit hole of what ifs in your mind. And we spend a lot of our time worrying about things that have never happened and will likely never happen. Instead, we can turn our attention to God's word, which is righteous, which is tried and true. And we should love it. Love it even when there's other things calling us away. And that's what we see at the end of John chapter 6 today. We've been reading John chapter 6, which began with the feeding of the 5,000, then turned into Jesus teaching that he is the bread of life. And whoever comes to him will never hunger again. Whoever believes in him will never thirst again. And that all who believe in him, he will raise up on the last day. He's offering eternal satisfaction and security. But when it becomes clear that that requires total trust in him, which he even describes as eating his flesh and drinking his blood, I think obviously speaking metaphorically, that doesn't sit well with many of the crowd. They don't understand and they actually, more than understanding, they have a hard time accepting it. And Jesus says in verse 61, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the son of man ascending to where he was before? Uh, really, speaking of his glory, and that if they're having a hard time accepting this, well, then they're not going to be able to accept who he really is and his true glory. And so it seems that many people who were following Christ turn away from him. And Jesus says to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answers him in verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed And have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And that's really the choices that you have this weekend. You can listen to your anxieties and follow your temptations uh, towards the path of being devoured by the enemy. Or you can trust God's word and you can realize, hey, there is nowhere else to go. Jesus and only Jesus has the words of eternal life. Uh, Finally, we look at Jeremiah chapter 44 to 46 today. And this is kind of, again, it's been a depressing section of Jeremiah. And this is kind of the end of much of the the story and the narrative of the prophet Jeremiah that we see in verses 44 and, or chapters 44 and 45. And, And we see even up until the end, the people, they do not listen to Jeremiah. He he is continuing to tell them the word of the Lord and they are continuing to not listen. He's warning them that the judgment is going to come and it's going to find them even in Egypt. But look at verse 15 of chapter 44. It says, Then all the men who knew that their wives had made offerings to other God and all the women who stood by a great assembly, all the people who lived in Pathros in the land of Egypt, they answered Jeremiah, 
And you think by this point, with all that Jeremiah has proven, they would say, you are so right, Jeremiah. We are so sorry. But no, this is what they say. As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you, but we will do everything we have vowed. We will make offerings to the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings to her as we did, both we and our fathers. Basically, all the things that Jeremiah is saying, don't do these things because that's why you're going to be judged. They straight up say, we're not going to listen to you. And it's a sad way to kind of end the narrative of Jeremiah. And then we get into chapter 46, which is kind of a different, starting a new section in the book of Jeremiah, where we're going to see Jeremiah make prophecies, not necessarily just about Judah, but he's going to look at the surrounding nations, starting there with Egypt. And he's going to make prophecies about them. But it's a sad story at the end of Jeremiah. But we need to remind ourselves that even at the end, even though it's sad to see these people say, we are not going to listen to you. It is not as if the word of God failed. Every word that God spoke through the prophet of Jeremiah, even to the end, was true. God's word is true. It is tried and true. And I hope we love it. I hope we say, God, to where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so this weekend, think about those things that are tempted to make you anxious and turn from them, cast them on God. He cares for you and put your focus on his word and his promises. And today of all days on October 31st, let's remember God's faithfulness throughout the ages. It was just over 500 years ago today that Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to the church door. And really so much of that was even pointing to the word of God. And that we didn't need the magisterium of the church to explain everything to us. What we need is the word of God. And the sola scriptura became one of the cries of the Reformation. And may it still be to this day. God, your word is, is tested and tried and true. Your word it gives life and your word alone. Where else can we go? And you are the words of eternal life. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.